Let's go to our scripture reading for today. Our passage is taken from Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit, distributed according to His will. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, one of the persons that had the greatest influence on me as a child uh, was my sixth grade teacher uh, back in Hong Kong. Um, I don't think I should uh, share his name uh, because I'm sharing about him, um, but he just had a tremendous influence on him, on me, and uh, uh, he was an amazing teacher. He was uh, uh, incredibly friendly. I remember joking with him, uh, hanging out with him, and he coached me basketball as well. Um, but more than anything else, what I admired about him was his faith. Uh, he was a, uh, a devout passionate follower of Jesus, and he exemplified to me as a child uh, what it looks like to follow after Christ. Well, uh, years went by, and uh, just before I was to attend seminary, and uh, I, I paid a visit to Hong Kong to visit my middle school friends, um, I heard from one of them that this same teacher who I had so in, in, was influenced by and admired had uh, renounced his Christian faith and was no longer walking with the Lord. And I remember hearing that, that news, and uh, that not only saddened me, but it made me wonder. It made me wonder, uh, if he can drift away from the faith, can I, might I, drift away as well? Maybe some of you have wondered that about yourself, um, and if you have, uh, this passage today is going to be incredibly uh, relevant to you and helpful to you. Uh, today's passage starts to talk about something called apostasy. Um, which means drifting away from the faith to the point of rejecting Christ altogether uh, and proving oneself ultimately to be a non-believer. That's apostasy. And what's, what's immediately noteworthy about our passage today um, is that the author of Hebrews is not writing this to non-Christians, warning them about apostasy. He's writing to Christians. He's writing to people who have received, who have heard and received the gospel. He's not saying, hey, uh, better warn those other people about apostasy. He's saying, pay attention lest you, you drift away and become an apostate. See, all throughout chapter 1, uh, if you recall, the author was emphasizing to his audience, the Jewish Christians, how Jesus is better, right? Uh, Jesus is better than the Old Covenant. Jesus is better than the Torah. He is better than the sacrificial system, better than the temple worship, and better than the angels, and here we see one critical reason why that emphasis is so important. Because he's saying, if you replace Jesus with any of these things, even biblical things, you can and you will uh, drift away from him. That's the context here. Uh, some of the Jewish Christians who had heard the gospel, received it, were uh, beginning to replace Jesus with other things that they were more drawn to. And they were beginning to drift away from the faith entirely. 
And here, what we have is one of the six warning passages in the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews has many wonderful things in it, and one of the qualities that very that stands out very much in the book of Hebrews is the warning, the warning passages. And, you know, personally, um, I don't like warning passages, and um, even less to, to preach on them, in a sense. Um, I think my personality, maybe, I don't know, it, it's, I'm not... I don't like being confrontational or sounding confrontational, but uh, sometimes the Bible confronts us for our sake, for the sake of our spiritual health, with uh, sober warnings. And so thanks be to God that I don't get to use you know, my feelings as a gauge for what, sh- what to preach on, but um, we trust the Word of God to be profitable, to teach us and correct us and rebuke us and train us. And so uh, that's one of the benefits of preaching through an entire book of the Bible and the preacher doesn't get to pick and choose where to where to preach. So let's keep that in mind as we go into this, that this is going to be profitable for us if we approach it with an open heart and with open ears. Three points I want to touch upon today as I unpack this passage for you. Uh, one, what are we to realize here about ourselves? Two, uh, what are we to realize here about God and His nature? And three, where do we go from here? Okay, something to realize about ourselves, about God and where we go from there. All right, so let's go to first point. And for that, let's take a look at verse one. It says there, therefore, we must pay much closer attention. Okay, pause. Uh, The Greek form of this expression, uh, paying much closer attention, is emphatic. It is absolutely emphatic. It cannot be any stronger in terms of communicating uh, how we absolutely cannot miss this. Uh, It is as if your very life hangs on it. You must not miss this. And what is this? It's all that we've been hearing about until now uh, in chapter 1, the past couple of weeks from Hebrews chapter 1, that Jesus is the creator of the universe, that he is the eternal son of God, he's the king of kings, that he is the final priest who who makes purification for our sins, and uh, that he will uh, one day uh, return. His name is above every other name. Now, the problem is not right, that these Jewish Christians haven't heard that before. Again, they have heard it and they have received it. Look at the rest of the verse and see what the concern here is. Pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. See, the problem isn't that they haven't heard it. The problem is they need to pay much, much closer attention to what they have heard. Uh, it is to those who are saying, yeah, yeah, I've heard the gospel. I know what the gospel is. I know what it means to receive Jesus into my life and, and call him my Lord and Savior. The warning is for them. The warning is for such people who are saying, I know the gospel. I got it. You need to pay much, much closer attention. Why? Lest we drift away from it. Lest we drift away from it. And here's the first thing we have to, here's what we have to keep in mind about ourselves and realize about ourselves. Um, left to our own selves and our own hearts and to our own uh, nature, we drift away. We tend to drift away from God. If you've ever wondered, you know, why, why am I feeling so distant from God? Uh, you know, we should not be surprised because our natural tendency is to drift away from God in and of our own selves. And this is true even if we're saved, even if we're truly born again, there is still a part of us, this old sinful self, that wants to turn to other things 
uh, rather than God. That's what we. That's who we are when we are left to entirely to our own self-will. As one theologian put it, uh, do you know how you can drift away from God? Do nothing. Do nothing. Uh, put yourself on neutral gear. You will drift away uh, from God. That is our natural tendency. Uh, in fact, the Greek word for drift is parareo, which, which is a word that refers to the way a boat would, would naturally drift off into the sea when it's not properly anchored. Uh, some of you know the story of how I lost my uh, Pixel 3 Google phone, which I loved. Um, nothing against Androids anymore. Um, it's when our church went on that beautiful spring retreat, and uh, it was just before we started this whole sheltering in place thing, and uh, they had kayaks. And and next to basketball, kayak is like my absolute favorite sport. And so, uh, of course, I went out there, and I love uh, on occasion just kind of drifting in the water uh, and taking pictures or praying and meditating just in, in that stillness, enjoying that moment of stillness. Well, um, I took one too many pictures and uh, didn't realize that I was drifting towards this little slope ahead of me, uh, this downward slope. And uh, by the time I realized it, uh, it was too late. And I flipped, uh, as, I, as I slipped into the, the current, I, my kayak flipped, dropped my phone, and uh, I survived, my phone did not, and um, now I have a new phone. Um, this is what happens when we don't pay close attention to the condition, to the state of our souls. Uh, we drift away. We, we go into, we slip into the natural current and we flip. Um, it's not difficult to drift. It, it is not difficult for our, for our spiritual kayak to flip upside down. All we need to do is nothing, to let go of our paddles, so to speak. Uh, and there are other factors, of course, in our lives that contribute to this, of course, um, that tend to make the current stronger, so we drift away even farther. It can be due to a sin that you're refusing to let go of, a sin that you're refusing to repent of and surrender to God. Or it could be because of a certain self-driven ambition or um, a certain busyness that just keeps your eyes uh, off of Christ. Uh, it could be various uninvited sufferings and trials um, in life. That often has that effect of causing people to drift away when they are not alert, when they're not aware. Are you paying close attention to yourself when it comes to the possibility of drifting away? That's the author's plea here. Are you paying special attention to uh, how these various other factors or just your natural tendency is causing you to drift farther and farther away from God. Uh, in C.S. Lewis's Screwtape Letter, uh, the senior devil who advises the junior de devil says that the best path to hell, the best path to hell is a gradual one. And so he, he counsels the junior devil to tempt people, not with huge ginormous sins, but with little ones that gradually take them down this, this slope, this current that would eventually lead to their demise. The effect, on, in other words, is not this um, uh, cataclysmic one, but it's a gradual and cumulative one. And that's essentially what, that's what drifting away uh, from God looks like. It, it often looks like this gradual process. And that's why you would hear about people who've been a Christian or even pastors and leaders in the church for decades can suddenly renounce their faith, um, 
because again, it is a it can be a gradual process if you are not careful. Now, um, as Reformed Presbyterians, um, we know what we believe about what Ephesians one teaches us, Romans eight and nine teaches us, what John chapter ten teaches us about those who are predestined and elected by God. Okay, that's the very language of Scripture. That God elects His people, He chooses His people, and those who have been chosen uh, will be brought to completion. They'll be brought home. They will persevere. They will not lose their salvation. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Jesus said, "No one can snatch them out of My hands." So, if that is true, uh, why warn Christians about being unchristian? Um, why, why those who, are, why warn those who are saved about the possibility of being unsaved when that is? not possible? And that's a very reasonable question, so let's address that really quickly. Um, it's true that the, for those whom God has chosen before the foundation of the world, He will glorify in the end. Okay? He will bring them to his, the promise of His resurrection life and dwell with God forever. No one can snatch them out of God's hands, yes. And you may even have periods of disobedience or even backsliding. Not even that can separate you from God. So here's what we can know when we take that into consideration about those who fall away permanently, not just periodically, but permanently, that they were never truly saved to begin with. Okay? Those who fall away permanently were never truly saved to begin with, because if you have been truly saved, you really cannot lose your salvation. They were truly born again, but they only had the, uh, they, they were not truly born again, but they had the appearance of being uh, born again. They had the appearance of being a follower of Jesus Christ when underneath uh, they were not spiritually born again. And the best example of this is, of course, uh, Judas Iscariot, who had the full appearance of Jesus' disciples, walked closely with Jesus for three years, uh, even performed signs and wonders. Judas was part of the, the twelve who performed signs and wonders, exercised demons, yet turned out to be an unbeliever. Now, the, the relevance of that and this passage to us is this. It raises the deepest and most urgent spiritual question for us all, and that is, am I truly saved? Am I truly saved? Am I being careful not to be found like those who drift away in the end? Those to, to whom God will say, depart from me, I never knew you. Am I paying close attention to my faith, to my relationship with my Lord and Savior? Am I truly His follower? This passage is giving us a very firm, yet loving and necessary nudge in the direction of holding fast to our assurance of salvation. How? By warning us not to drift away, not to stay neutral, uh, not to think because I understand the gospel and Jesus is my Lord and Savior, now I'm, I'm set, I'm good to go. That is when we begin to drift away. That is when we are being negligent about the condition of our souls. That is, metaphorically speaking, uh, ignoring God when He tells us to stay alert and, and mindlessly drifting down the, the calm waters, not knowing that there's a, there's a slow up, slope up ahead of you that will flip you over. God is saying through this passage, metaphorically, put down your phone, pick up your paddle, and stay, stay the course, stay alert. This is a call for self-reflection, um, not because true believers can lose their salvation, but so that true believers will actively hold on to their assurance of salvation. 
keeping in mind that we are like sheep and we are prone to wander. So that's what we are to realize about ourselves, even and especially for those of us who are Christians. And this takes us to the second point, and that is something here to realize about God, something to keep in mind about God in this passage. Take a look at verse 2. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and that's referring to the Old Testament delivered to Israel, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution. Okay, let me pause there and and talk about what this means. Uh, If you think that God is not a God who holds his people accountable for their actions just because they're his people, uh, clearly you haven't read the message delivered by the angels. Because if you have, then you will find that God there is a God who accounts for everyone's sins, including believers. What does that look like? It looks like God judging his people for rejecting his revelation, for drifting away from his revelation. And we see all throughout the Old Testament, time and time again, example after example of how God sends his messengers to his people and the messengers are rejected or sometimes killed And God brings judgment on his own people for rejecting his message, rejecting even the good news of how they can be reconciled to God. How can they be brought back into the fold of God? The Old Testament is filled with God's holding accountable his own people. Did you know this about God? Um, have Have you thought carefully about this aspect of God? That he is a God who loves mercy, who, who, is, who is infinitely kind and forgiving, slow to anger. And yet he also hates sin and will judge sin in a way that it deserves. And that he holds everyone accountable for their actions. Or do you hold instead a caricature of God um, that really has no real sense of any anger upon sin? Uh, that's not the God of the Bible. That's, that's a God of our own making. That's a cultural caricature. That's like the God, I think, uh, that comes up in Bruce Almighty, uh, the movie with Jim Carrey and Morgan Freeman, who plays God in that movie. Uh, and what you notice about Morgan Freeman's character there is he gives zero thought to our thoughts, our thought life, uh, and has nothing to say about our inner sins, our, our internal sins, or external sins, really, for that matter. And all he does is he gives um, the main character in the movie power to fulfill his own dreams, to achieve his own, own goals in life. But listen to this again. Every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution. Okay. Uh, I, I cannot picture uh, Morgan Freeman saying that. Right? The two are incompatible pictures of God. One is a cultural caricature, and the other is a scriptural revelation of who God is. And the author of Hebrews is saying, that's just not the God of the Old Testament. That is the God of the New Testament as well. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so notice again what it says in verse 3. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? How shall we today, people of the New Testament, Living in the new, under the new covenant, how shall we escape uh, if we are to neglect such a great salvation? Is God loving and merciful and abounding 
in, in, in grace and forgiveness? Yes. We see that ultimately in his gift of salvation. But listen to the verse. Listen to the point he's making in this verse. If you neglect such a great salvation, do you think you will escape accountability? No, you will not. That's what he's saying. If you drift away from such a great gift of God's salvation, given to you at the costly sacrifice of the Son of God, who became man to represent you, and if you continue in your disobedience and your rebellion, do you think somehow you will escape God's accountability and His judgment? And the answer is, of course, no. Because God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. What a sobering uh, warning. Um, And if that doesn't peel away the Morgan Freeman caricature of who God is, I don't know what will. We must see the reality of God and the character of God as revealed in the scriptures, not in the culture. In the scriptures, not in the culture. All right. Where do we go from here? That's the final point I want to leave with you. Um, I think the Holy Spirit can convict us on this point in various ways, uh, depending on just where you are in this season. Uh, I I hope that the Holy Spirit is convicting you as you're hearing this uh, to apply this in your own way, in a way that will edify your spiritual walk and help you head in the right direction. But I want to leave all of us with two applications here. One, we have to, according to the, the author of the Hebrews, Go back to the revelation of Jesus Christ, the supreme revelation. Remember, in these last days, God spoke to us by his Son. We have to go back to that. Go back to the scriptures given to us by Christ and his apostles. And behold, behold the wonderful mystery that's packed into this great salvation that he gives us. Don't neglect it. Uh, Don't move on from it and say, I got it. Pay much closer attention to it. More than ever before, pay attention to it. The implication of verse 3 itself is this, that there is still such a great salvation for us to enjoy, for us to behold, for us to hold fast to and delight in. That's the good news of the gospel. Even now, in this very moment, you can hold on to this great salvation by faith so that you will see once again that Jesus Christ is indeed better. He is better Uh, He's better than the sin that you're unwilling to let go of and repent of. He's better than all your career goals and ambitions. He's better than your romantic relationships, uh, your, your family life. He is better than any physical comfort or pleasure or even physical health. Jesus Christ and his promise of his salvation is better. Do you really know that deep down inside? And are you living as if that is true? Do you feel that in your bones? That Jesus is better than he is all I need. Is he your focus and is he your center? Here's the second thing to keep in mind. Verse 4 talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed uh, to us according to his will. And the main way that God distributes the gift of his Holy Spirit uh, is through the church. Through the church. Uh, Jesus, when he ascended into the heavens. He did not leave us alone. He left us with the church. He left us with the Holy Spirit empowering the church to continue to fuel our love for God and to live for the kingdom of God. And so the the warning that flows logically from verse 4 is this. Are you doing your best to infuse your life 
all the gifts of the Holy Spirit through the church? Are you pressing into prayer uh, and not neglecting prayer? Are you pressing into deeper study of God's Word and not neglecting the study of God's Word? Are you keeping your Sabbath day holy on the Lord's day and putting aside one day to rest and to worship and fellowship with the saints? The charge here, uh, in sum, is to stay connected to the body of Christ. To stay connected to the body of Christ. And so that is my pastoral charge in conclusion to you all. Join us in our prayer meetings. Join us in our community groups, Bible studies. Join us in in Sunday worship and, and our fellowship for the sake of your soul. For the sake of your soul. This is how we pick up our paddles. This is how we stay alert and stay awake together as the body of Christ. This is how we pay close attention. It's through the ministries of the church gifted to us by the Holy Spirit. So praise be to God for his church and may we not give up on the body of Christ but continue to spur one another on uh, to more worship of God, to more fellowship with one another so that we would continue to encourage one another to see that Jesus Christ is better. Jesus Christ is better. Let's pray. God, we are uh, your children who are prone to wander. Uh, We are prone to leave the God that we love. But you, Lord, are as merciful as you are just. You are as gracious as you are truthful. You are both um, the lion and the lamb. Would you give us this full understanding of uh, who you are? Help us to shed the, the false images of God uh, the, the images that we've raised in our, according to our own selves, but may we see you fully for who you are as revealed by your Son. Help us to pay close, much closer attention uh, to him so that we would not drift away, so that we would hold fast to your Son who saves us by his mercy and by his power. And we pray all this in his name. Amen.